All right, you guys can go ahead and have a seat. We'll get these guys back up here in a little bit to kind of help guide us uh, through communion. But um, So today, um, a little bit goofy. Um, as I said, we've got the birthday thing next week, um, and uh, the talk will be kind of a Roots interview like we've done in the past. Um, Kathy and I are going to have a chance to just kind of recount some of our memories from five years ago, some of the stuff that God was doing, some of the stuff that we trusted him with, some of the stuff that we very much doubted him with just because of the, the intensity of, of the season. But today, um, a little bit goofy because today is the first week of a series that's actually supposed to happen around Thanksgiving. Um, and so that'll be a little bit goofy. Um, but there's just some thoughts that I had, and I was it's a series called Respectable Sins. I think I've mentioned it before, kind of loosely based on a book that I'm going to recommend to you at that time. Um, and, the, and the goal was uh, for this particular opener to wait until late November when we get into it, but I just couldn't, I just couldn't hold off. I, there's um, just, uh, there's a, a pastor that I follow, a church that I follow quite a bit, uh, and, and just saw some sad, frustrating news from there in the last couple weeks. It's a church I follow from afar. It's on the other side of the country. Um, but it's my Monday morning listen, right? So, so Monday is my Saturday that's, that's my Sabbath, so a lot of Mondays I'll wake up, I'll, I'll make a big breakfast, and while I'm doing the bacon and eggs, I'll have this church's uh, service from the previous day going. So that's kind of my go-to. Um, I, I respect their ministry philosophy, kind of the model of how they've done it. Uh, they, they seem to find a good balance between truth and grace. They do a lot of training of pastors and leaders, and they send out a lot of church planters. Um, they did the multi-site thing, and then they intentionally started releasing some of those sites in the last few years to be independent churches, which I really thought was cool how they did that. Um, but I, and I just kind of respect even even the pastor. Like he's been through a lot um, with his own health and things over the last ten or, or so years, and so it's just kind of been interesting to follow that. Um, but they've had some issues come up recently where they uh, revealed that this pastor has had some type of an inappropriate uh, Instagram communication uh, with, with a woman, not his wife. Um, and I don't know how it's going to play out. I, I, it's still hard to tell if it's a really big deal or just something they're trying to be careful with. I don't know if he's going to survive the issue as a pastor. I don't know, depending on how it plays, I don't know if it's going to impact how often I listen. I know it will certainly affect the priority that I give it on a weekly basis. But I do know um, that I've had plenty of really solid pastors and mentors over the years in a, in a personal way, like face-to-face -face interaction, whether it's people I work with or grew up with, a uh, person I was raised by it, you know, when it comes to my dad in ministry. Uh, but like any profession, like any calling, uh, in addition to the, the intimate face-to-face -face mentors we have, there's always those people out there whether it's podcasts or preachers or leadership gurus or books or whatever, that, that have that impact on you. And you kind of, um, you appreciate their voice speaking into the thing that you do, right? Providing that encouragement and, and training in many ways uh, from afar. Um, and for me, I've spent all my years of ministry um, leaning on three people in particular. And now two of those three have completely uh, gone down in flames, and now the third one is teetering on the edge. And so I kind of step back, and it's like, okay. Uh, we have a little bit of our own uh, little uh, epidemic going on when it comes to the ministry world. And there's, there's various takeaways that, that I take from that. Number one, uh, humans uh, are pretty pathetic. Uh, humans, uh, we are broken, we are frustrating, we are heartbreaking. And I say that knowing that some of you 
like, like I'm experiencing this frustration with a mentor pastor from a thousand miles away. Never met him, never interacted with him. Some of you have experienced that heartbreak and frustration in a very personal way, and so I recognize that. Um, and, and, but, but in addition to humans being pathetic, it's also amazing how much God can do with broken humans and, and heartbreaking humans and pathetic humans. Um, and, and so that's kind of, but, but the, the takeaway I really want to kind of look at this morning is kind of two parts. One, what you see isn't always what you get. I think we've, we've all kind of experienced that at different points in our lives and interacting with people. But even bigger on the other side of that is what you see isn't necessarily what you fix. What you see isn't necessarily what you fix. And I, I want to expand on that. So whether it's them in another state or us here in Milan, whether it's you in your life or me in my life, what do we usually do when we discover that something is wrong? When we discover there's, some, there's an issue, like there, there's something that has gone, some issue has been revealed, uh, made a bad decision, right? Messed up, just, just screwed up. Big, big mess up or little mess up. Um, maybe we notice an increasingly poor choice of words or language. Things that we wouldn't normally say. Things that slip out that never used to slip out. Jokes that we tell that we never would have told before. Right? Things, think there, there's something wrong there. Maybe it's simply... Uh, maybe our response to life situations uh, far exceeds what that life situation calls for, right? Far more emotional, far more drastic, far, you know, just, just the response to the circumstances of life seems a little bit out of whack. Maybe, maybe hints of rebellion at home, right? Depending on the age that you are, the season of life you're in, maybe you're noticing that the way you're interacting with your parents and within your house is a little bit more intense than it was a few years ago, right? There, there's something... Something's not right. Something's not wrong. Maybe you've fallen back into an old issue, right? You thought it was taken care of. You've walked that road. You got some help. You got some accountability. You're, you're over that, and all of a sudden, here it comes creeping up again. Now, all of these examples are behavioral things, right? This, but this could apply to physical health. This could apply to relationships. But what do we usually do when we discover that something is wrong? Well, first thing we usually do is we manage the behavior, well, I guess I can't go there anymore. I'm, I'm just going to stay away from that place, right? Because when I go to that place, bad things happen. I make bad decisions. And that's, that's excellent, right? Good practical step. If you're, if you're, when you're in a situation and bad things happen in that situation, eliminate yourself from that situation. Very positive, practical step, right? Maybe, oh, man, I'm, I'm just going to eliminate that app from my phone, right? It's gone. Too much time, too much temptation, just a distraction. That, that app is gone. Again, positive. I think more of us need to make a decision like that, right? Like this app is in the trash. Like that's, that's gone. That's a positive behavioral modifying step. Or, man, I really, I, I just got to watch my mouth around the kids, right? I need, to, I need to be careful what I say in mixed company. There's just things coming out. I got to be careful. This is going to get me in trouble. I'm going to, you know, going to get a slap on the wrist or whatever. I just need to watch my mouth. Absolutely, right? That's another positive decision that many of us have made and need to make. Some of you have maybe gotten to the point where you say, man, I just, I just can't live at home anymore. Right? This tension with mom and dad as I've gotten older was fine for a while, but I want to go here. They want me to go there. I'm getting older. I want more freedom. I just need to get out of the house. Right? If there's tension with mom and dad, I need to fix, I need to manage this behavior issue. I'm just going to 
move out. I'm, I'm just going to go do my own thing. Again, might be the most positive decision in the moment depending on your context or, or uh, a popular rule for pastors or ministry people or just anybody. It's called the, uh, referred to as the Billy Graham rule. I'm not going to be alone with someone of the opposite sex. I'm just going to eliminate that temptation. Again, depending on your context, that can be a great way to avoid a bad situation. But in all of these cases, even though in that context it might be the absolute right decision, all of those things are only managing behavior. They're not fixing the issue. They're just managing the behavior. But that's one of the first responses we have when we notice that something is wrong. And then what else do we do? Well, if necessary, if managing the behavior isn't enough, then we move on to the next thing and we manage the fallout from our behavior. Now it's time to cover up or clean up the mess that our behavior has caused. And so maybe we offer a quick emotional apology. Right? I, I need to, man, I made a mess. I'm not going to go there anymore, but I need to have a couple conversations, just kind of smooth things over, explain myself, that kind of a thing. Maybe sometimes we have to pay for the damages. Sometimes that's part of the fallout of our behavior. Maybe uh, provide some explanation of the level of stress that we've been under or whatever excuse we want to provide for our behavior. We've got to manage the mess that we've caused. Sometimes people will simply start with a clean slate. I'm going to move out of state. I'm going to move to a new community. I need to start at a new church. I have made a mess here. My reputation can't be fixed. I just need a clean slate with a new community, a new church, new family, all these different things. Sometimes if it's, if it's big business type stuff, now it might, maybe managing the fallout means hiring a good lawyer. right? Maybe hiring a good PR firm, and they're going to tell you, hey, as, as part of managing this fallout, it's time to make a very public apology and make a very large public donation to a famous nonprofit, right? This is how we kind of manage uh, the fallout from our behavior. Sometimes people, as was the case with this pastor in another state, I, I'm going to step back, I'm going to take a leave of absence, a, ch a chance to grow, a chance for me to learn from this, right? This is all managing the fallout from different behaviors. Sometimes people go to the extremes and they simply eliminate from their inner circle anyone who might hold them accountable for their behavior. So there's all different ways. We manage the behavior, we manage the fallout, but again, managing the fallout, ultimately, even if they are positive decisions, don't fix the issue. We have to go beyond behavior. We have to go beyond managing the fallout. We have to go deeper than that. There's a handful of verses I'm going to read real quick. So if you're a note taker, these are going to come fast and furious. So either jot them down, take a picture of the screen, come back on YouTube later and find them. But just, and you're going to see the theme develop very quickly about where we need to go when it comes to discovering issues within ourselves. 1 Samuel 16, 7. The Lord does not look at the things people look at. People look at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. Ezekiel 36, God is saying to his people, I'm going to give you a new heart, and I'm going to put a new spirit in you. I'll remove from you your heart of stone, and I'll give you a heart of flesh, and I will put my spirit in you, and I'll move you to follow my decrees and to be careful to keep my law. So it's, I'm going to do the heart first. I'm going to mess with your soul, and then out of that, I'm going to help you to follow my decrees. I'm going to help you to live the way I want you to live after I've messed 
with your heart. Proverbs 3, 3 to 4. Let love and faithfulness never leave you. Leave you. Bind them around your neck. Write them on the tablet of your heart. And then you will win favor and a good name in the sight of God and men. Inside and then outside. Proverbs 27, 19. As water reflects the face, so one's life reflects the heart. Psalm 51, 10. Create in me a pure heart, O God, and renew a steadfast spirit within me. This is a prayer of David in response to devastating sin. Right? He, had, he is coming through a season where he made all the wrong decisions. There was some serious behavior to figure out. There was some serious fallout and mess as a result of his behavior. But the first thing he says is, God, I need you to fix my heart. Start from the inside out. Proverbs 4.23, above all else, guard your heart for everything you do flows from it. Had a um, conversation with Kathy. It always kind of comes up when we see one of these crazy pastor church failure things because they're, I, I don't know if they're more common now or if there's just social media and so you're aware of more of them. Um, because it's frustrating to see other pastors fail. And it's, and it's personal for her because she's sitting on it from the pastor's wife side of things, right? She is in the shoes of those pastor's wives and her, and her heart and her brain start running wild. Like, how, how does this happen? What, why would he do that? Why, how could he make that decision? What's going on? What's she feeling right now, right? What's, what's wrong with these men is kind of the question that she asks in these situations. What's wrong with these pastors? And those are, those are valid questions. But my, my pushback to her in the midst of that conversation was, hey, it's, it's not why can't these guys control themselves. It's not why can't these guys make better decisions. The question has to be something a little bit deeper than that because my guess is, my, my strong belief is that these wives, very close to their husbands, even maybe their kids and their families, probably saw something, maybe sensed something long before there was a public failure. Might have been small, might have been subtle, but these failures, from what I can see, are not, they're not random. It's not bad luck, right? It's not like these pastor's wives woke up, pastor's wives woke up one day and drew their name out of a hat that said, your husband's going down today, right? It wasn't, it wasn't that kind of a thing where it's like, oh my gosh, when's it my turn, right? It, it, when is the next drawing? That, that's, that's not how this works. It's not bad luck. It's not a bad moment. It's not, these aren't fall off the cliff, bad decision type situations. It became big enough or dumb enough to be public and felt like it was a fall off the cliff situation. It felt like it was a random thing. But the issue exists long before the big fall. And, and this is true for pastors. This is true for bricklayers. This is true for nurses and teachers and accountants and everybody. And so I, I want to show you because this, this kind of came to mind as Kathy and I were processing this together and, and it just became something that I needed to kind of tell you uh, this week and, and then we'll hit week two in three months. Um, so um, the people who come across this years from now will be like, oh, this is a good series. So I'm not an artist, but this is kind of you in wholeness, right? That's, that's you. Um, and I think what we find is that when it comes to this public issue, these sins that become obvious, that, that can no longer be ignored, that create fallout, that, that have to be managed in some way. The issue is not 
the act itself. Now, sin is an issue, right? There, there are certainly bad decisions are bad. Sin is bad. Public things are bad. Those are, those are bad things. But those are how their inner brokenness manifests itself outwardly, right? So although those things, those actions can be bad, those decisions can be bad, those words can be bad, that those hurtful things can be bad, those are a public version of what's already happening on the inside. In my opinion, what happens out here is like 10% of what's going on. And this isn't scientific, right? There's no... I don't have a link for you. And like, oh, 10%. That's interesting. I wonder what survey they did for that. This is, this is me and my observations and opinions and things like that. So, so for me, it's, it's 10% of the issue. The bigger issue is the journey to that 10%, the journey to that place, the spiritual neglect that leads to that failure, that leads to that decision, that leads to those words coming out, that leads to the desire to go to that place. That's 90%. That's the unseen part of us. That's where the sickness is, and that's where the outward sickness comes from. And that's always the same, no matter what the manifestation of it is. And so here's the thing, and this is where it'll tie in with the respectable sins thing, is your gossip is coming from the same place as his adultery. And your biting, hurtful words, your 10%, are coming from the same place as his murder and her addiction. Out here, man, that's rough. They need to get that figured out. But in here, his thing is coming from the same place as my thing. And your thing coming from the same place as her thing. Big or small, big and ugly and impacting your life and world in a major tragic way, yes, but small and subtle and sneaking out in little respectable ways, absolutely. It's all coming from the same place. This 10%, the actions that we see, the behavior that we try to manage, the fallout that we try to clean up, all of that is being manifested out of the same sickness and unhealth, no matter how it comes out in public. And what do we do? What do we do with that? Because this is the issue. And so what do we do? We manage the behavior. We've got a major problem here. And what do we do? I better clean this up. I better say I'm sorry. I better not go there anymore. I better watch what I say around those guys or I'm going to get in trouble. I better move out so we don't have this tension anymore. Imagine if we took this course of action in any other part of life. Right? Like, like your car is leaking brake fluid on the driveway. Dad's driveway. We've been there, right? What do we do? I manage the behavior. I better just stop parking on the driveway. Manage the behavior. Man, I should keep adding brake fluid every once in a while. I would hate to run out. <laughs> Manage the fallout. Oh, man, I left a puddle of fluid on the driveway. I better throw some kitty litter down. 
right? We got, we got, I better get the, the power washer out and get rid of that oil stain, right? And I, I better apologize to my dad for the, manage the fallout. And meanwhile, the rest of us are going, dude, you got an issue. There's something wrong under the hood. You got to get somebody underneath there. What are you doing? You're putting down the kitty litter. You're apologizing to dad. You're parking in the gravel part of the driveway instead of the paved part of the driveway. Meanwhile, something dangerously wrong is going on in the 90%. In any other part of life, it's completely ridiculous, right? You show up home from work with a knife wound to the thigh. And your wife goes, what? There's a knife wound in your thigh. It's okay. I got to suck it up. It doesn't hurt that bad. It's fine, right? Behavior. I got to manage the behavior. I, I took some extra strength Tylenol and it numbed me up pretty good, right? You might be in shock. It might be Tylenol. I don't know what it is, but it doesn't hurt as bad. And I got to, okay, and then we managed the fallout. I better update the life insurance just in case this goes bad. It's okay. Don't worry about the mess. I've got some gauze stuffed down into my leg. I won't be bleeding on the floor anymore, right? Managing the behavior, managing the fallout. Meanwhile, the rest of us are going, there's a three-inch deep hole in your leg. Like, there's, there's a bigger issue. Ignoring the real issue is universally understood as stupid. The bad idea, but in manners of faith, we manage the behavior. And then we manage the fallout. We need to manage the heart. That's 90% of it. That's the root issue. Question for you. What does your 10% reveal about your 90%? Got to be aware of it. Don't ignore it, right? Don't ignore it. If you're someone who's going through a major season of struggles and bad times, maybe your life is producing some bad fruit lately. Maybe you've been experiencing some consequences. And, and, and I got to ask you, how long can we keep calling it bad luck? How long can we say that you've been just dealt a bad hand? How long is it them doing it to you? How long is it just a tough season? Now, I'm not saying your difficulties are a direct result of your sin, right? It might be someone else's sin. It might be God allowing some things into your life to test you and strengthen you for the next thing that he has for you. It might be those things. I'm not saying that your difficulties are a direct result of your sin, but it's something to consider What's your 10% revealing about your 90%? Okay, be aware of it. Don't ignore it. So that, now I mentioned somebody who might be going through some rough times. Don't ignore it if you're someone who's had a pretty good run. You're a church person. You're a good person. Long-time Christian. You're a Bible reader. You're respected in your community. You're respected at work. You've had a good run of fruit to show from your life and your following of Jesus. Absolutely, celebrate that good fruit. It's a gift, right? That's, that's what God is looking for out of us, the overflow of our heart to be those spiritual fruits in our life, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, all of those different things have been 
coming out. But then, don't let that good fruit distract you from what might be happening down in the roots. Because there might be things that if you were paying attention, you could see that might be revealing something about what's happening in your heart and what's happening in that 90%. I talked to one of our farmers. We've got some farmers here at Fieldstone, and, and, and certainly this is a community with, with that as its roots and its, and its history. And I just said, hey, how, how long could you continue getting good crops from a deteriorating soil before you realized that something was wrong with your soil? And he said, actually, quite a while. He said, you'd, you would notice right away that you weren't getting your A-plus crops, right? You're used to A-plus, and maybe this season or a couple seasons, you're getting A, A-minus crops. Nothing to write home about, right? nothing to go crazy about, and, and your 10% has been affected in some way. It's just not, but there's always a reason, right? There's always a reason. Maybe, man, it was super hot during that stretch, that important part of the process, just super hot in those few weeks. And so that might be why we're getting A minus instead of A plus. Man, super wet spring, just pushed back the whole process. Things got messed up from start to finish. So that's why, hey, we're, we're getting good crops. That, that's why it's not A plus crops this year. There's always a reason for it. But then you would continue to get acceptable results long before you realized that there was a major issue in the soil you got to pay attention because it might have been the heat, might have been the wet spring, but it might have been something happening beneath the surface that you didn't know. And so you got to pay attention. All right, we've, we're not A plus anymore. This is acceptable. We're going to do what we need to do. We're, we're going to uh, accomplish what we wanted to accomplish this year, but it's not A plus. Maybe there's something more going on. And nobody's going to complain about A minus, right? Now, some of you would. Some, some of you grew up very different than me, and you're like, A minus, how am I going to tell dad, right? Yeah, so, so some of you might be in that place, but for most of us, A, A minus is fine, but what if it's always been an A plus crop? Might need to make sure there's not a bigger trend going on. So every year I go and get an annual checkup. I had my uh, physical a couple weeks ago. It's something I go and do. Number one, it's free. Obamacare? Yeah? You guys with me? <laughs> Nobody? All right, fine. Thought, thought I'd get some cheers out of that one. So, so number one, it, that, that preventative care, it's free, right? So why not? It, and number two, it's an hour out of my year. I can spare it. So I show up and they do the usual thing and check the, the pulse and the blood pressure and do the blood draw and all that stuff. And number three, I do it because I'm healthy. But what if I'm not? What if I'm not healthy? Now, I, wives, I need you to fight your natural instinct here because you're going to go home and the only thing you're going to take out of this whole morning is, I told you you should go and get a checkup. I told you, Pastor Justin went. Now, so this is, it's important, but it's not the point. Okay, so just kind of push that aside in your brain. But I'm healthy, but what if I'm not? If my health was trending down in some way, how would I know? Right? Take my cholesterol, for example. My cholesterol is not a major concern, but over the last four or five years, the trend, it's creeping up a little bit. So if you were to look at the fruit of my health in a single snapshot, zero issue, acceptable results, good crop. But if you look at the trend, you might say, hey, it used to be A+, now it's more like a 93, 94. Now it's trending towards 
an A minus. It might be something to maybe keep an eye on, maybe a, a place where you can do some course correcting before things get too out of control. Give some extra value and attention to the unseen 90% based on what the 10% might be revealing. Where am I at? What have I been feeding myself? Who or what is having an influence on my health? Is this truly no big deal or is this something I should pay attention to? And in case you hadn't noticed, I'm not just talking about cholesterol anymore. What is your 10% revealing about your 90%? Got to pay attention. Who has access to the 90%? Who has access to your heart? Who gets to ask any question they want and demand an honest answer? Who is with you enough and knows you well enough that they would notice a minor yet potentially significant change in you? Who knows you well? Who knows your 90% and your 10% well enough that if something was just a little bit off, something the rest of us wouldn't notice, right? Something that doesn't show up in the, in the coffee line in the church lobby. Who would notice something like that? Who is close enough that they would be impacted by a weakness in your 90%? Who would say something if they noticed a change in the visible part of your life? And who would say something if they had a concern about your heart based on what they were seeing in the visible part of you? Who has access? And if you're not satisfied with your answer to those questions, then what's next? Now I'd say maybe you need to invest more in a couple friendships, right? Maybe some relationships that already exist. Maybe you need to be proactive about making those a little bit more personal, a little bit more intimate. Could be that you need to take your marriage to the next level, right? And, and, and start having some of those tough, awkward, yet potentially powerful conversations together, right? Being honest and being willing to hear honest spoken back to you, right? That, some of that can happen within a marriage relationship. Maybe you need to get into a small group, right? It's a big thing around here. And, and for those of you who've never been in a small group before, it's not instant best friends, right? It's, it's a little goofy for a while. Like, I don't know if I know this dude. I don't know if I'm going to tell this dude about what's going on over here. Like, but it's a, it's a shift from it's just me managing my own behavior and my own, my own fallout. It's a shift from that to I think I'm willing to share my life with some people. Right? And then slowly over time, those relationships develop and the conversations can get a little bit more honest. If you're not happy with your, question, with your answer to the who question, I'd encourage you to check out Seekwell. Seekwell.org, it's one of the ministries that we support and partner with. They've designed their ministry around helping people see beyond the 10% to really start evaluating what's beneath the surface. Who am I at my core and why is that impacting what's happening out here in public. Just great conversations that come from that as well. And I'd say sometimes you need to seek professional counseling, right? The, the feedback from a solid, faith-based, neutral observer. These are people who are trained to see beneath the surface. Who has access to your 90%? And then I'd say this. Who owns the 90%? Who owns your heart? 
And, and I'd say as, as much as I would say don't overvalue the good fruit because there might be something sneaking around in there that's making it an A- minus instead of an A+. Plus. You don't want to overvalue where you've been and, and all the good things you've done in the past. I would say don't crucify yourself for the bad fruit because someone already took that for you. Who owns your 90%? And this is where it goes beyond managing behaviors and beyond managing the fallout that's caused by behaviors. It's going to another level of surrender to Jesus on the journey towards full surrender that we're all trying to get to. It's giving him more of your time and emphasis and attention. It's allowing him to hear from you more and allowing you to hear from him more, whether it's through the truth of his word or that two-way conversation that we call prayer. It's slowing down and quieting down, letting our guard down, and letting him penetrate to the very root of our soul. I love what Hebrews 4 says. Hebrews 4, starting in verse 12, it says, For the word of God is alive and active. And that's encouraging for sure. But then you go to John 1.1 1, 1 and you find out what and who the word of God is. It's Jesus. God in the flesh. God's word made human and dwelling among us. For Jesus is alive and active. And what does he do? He's sharper than a double-edged sword, and he penetrates even dividing soul and spirit, joints and marrow. He judges the thoughts and attitudes of the 90%. Nothing in all creation is hidden from God's sight. Everything is uncovered and laid bare before the eyes of him to whom we must give Account. Therefore, since we have a great high priest who ascended into heaven, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold firmly to the faith we profess. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to empathize with our weaknesses, but we have one in Jesus who has been tempted in every way just as we are, yet he did not sin. So let us approach God's throne of grace with confidence so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. Who owns your 90%? Because without Jesus in here changing things from the inside out, all we're doing is managing behavior. Without Jesus in here to transform us from the inside out, all we're doing is managing the mess that our behavior has caused. And yet if we'll allow Jesus in and if we'll open up our hearts to him and give him our soul He'll come in and penetrate the innermost parts of us and start to change us from the inside out. He'll change us where the problem really is. And then, before you know it, behaviors start to shift. Are we perfect? No. God knows we're not perfect. Even as we walk with Jesus, there is that battle between our, our heart and the spirit and our flesh. And yet when that change happens, that's when we can really see results out here in the 10%. Who owns your 90%? If you have never made that decision, if you've never come to that place of faith where you said, you know what, I, I believe this. I believe it and I'm all in on it. It's simply a moment to say, God, I'm in. I believe you. I trust you. Take my heart. Penetrate my life. If you have any questions about that, would love to chat with you. And it doesn't have, I mean, it's been 
different ways throughout all the generations, right? For some of us, it was kneeling next to our bed with mom and dad, and we remember that moment. For, for me, it was riding in the back of my dad's pickup truck, this random moment as a seven-year-old, this epiphany, this time when the Holy Spirit showed up and made it clear to me. For some of us, it was college years. For some of us, it was at a youth group retreat. For some of us, it was uh, our middle age where our kids witnessed to us. And like the, it's all different, right? There's no specific way this needs to happen, but at some point in your life, it's recognizing, you know what? I need to give up my 90%. Cross that line of faith. This is, this is family tree type stuff here. And if you're from a family that has tended to overpraise the outward stuff, maybe you need to purposefully do some harsher examination this morning. If you're from a family that tends to pile weight upon weight, on top of failure after failure, maybe you need to be someone who allows yourself to be free from that and give that burden to Jesus, knowing however many struggles you've experienced, you can rest in knowing that he is the owner of the 90%. And ultimately, if that's true, you can experience something different. You can experience something more. AJ and Danny are going to come back up and... um, lead us. And what we're going to do in the midst of that, if you didn't get a chance, there are, there's bread and juice at the high top table at the back there. And um, to start off, they're just going to kind of, you know, AJ is just going to kind of strum. You know, we're, we're going to save the singing for a few minutes from now. And, and as, as they just kind of fill the silence a little bit, I want to challenge you to take these next couple, two, three minutes. And maybe you're at a place where you need to throw some things at God, right? Some concerns, some anxieties, some frustrations, some questions, right? feel free to do that this morning. Maybe you're at a place and you're like, okay, my 10% is a mess. And you need to start that conversation with God and say, all right, God, how do, I, how, do I, how do I get beyond the behaviors and beyond the mess and start working on the heart? Maybe you're someone who's had a good run. Maybe these next couple minutes say, all right, is there, any, is there anything sneaky in there? In the midst of of my good behavior, in the midst of the fruit I'm experiencing, in the midst of my healthy, growing walk with Jesus, is there anything creeping around that I need to go, oh, I, I might have ignored that, but I need, to, I need to pay attention to that. I want to encourage you to take these few minutes and do that, and, and I'll be up uh, in a couple minutes to lead us through the elements, and then we'll have a time to, to really worship together. Mm-hmm.